Shalom and welcome to On The House, the podcast where industry experts and professionals discuss real estate in Israel. I'm your host, Debbie Goldfisher, real estate agent, founder and editor-in-chief of BuyItInIsrael.com. Join us as we explore market trends, legal and tax issues, purchasing tips, neighborhoods throughout Israel, and much more. All this is On The House, helping you make the right move. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining us today for the third episode of On The House. As we continue on our journey, learning together about how things work in the real estate industry in Israel, today we are going to talk about working with real estate agents in Israel, whether it be purchasing a pre-owned home, a new construction project, or urban renewal. Most people in Israel work with agents especially those coming from overseas, who don't have a full understanding of the market, the players, and the way that business is conducted here. And for those that don't have access to private sellers and want to be guided professionally. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Zev Schumacher, veteran real estate agent in Modiin, founder and owner of one of Modiin's largest real estate offices, Schumacher Nadlan. He's here to talk to us about working with real estate agents. Zev has been working in real estate since 2000, and he is familiar with every single project, street, and neighborhood in Modiin. His office deals primarily with residential real estate, firsthand and secondhand projects, purchasing groups, buyers groups, and also commercial real estate offices and logistics. Zev is licensed by the Ministry of Justice as a mediator to practice mediation, and he was one of the founders and the first chairman of Lishkat HaMetavchim Lemodiyin Makabim Rayut, the Real Estate Agents Association. With that, uh, Zev, thank you for joining us today. I think after Bibi Netanyahu, you are one of the busiest people that I know, and thank you so much for making the time for our listeners. Oh, thank you for having me. It's uh, my pleasure. Wonderful. So Zev and I are actually both from Modiin, and it gives me great pleasure to be here in the new podcast studio, Dabru, in Modiin. A shout out to our friend Daniela, Daniela Hellestein, who is hosting us. And the reason I invited you, Zev, is because, first of all, on a personal note, you, when we came to Modiin, I live in Modiin, when I came here, you were the first agent that I think I met, and you have grown and gone really, really far as a real estate agent in Modiin. I think anybody who is looking to buy in Modiin knows your name and sees your signs. And I thought it would be, um, you'd be an appropriate person to talk to us about real estate agents, what the role of the agent is, how agents work in Israel, uh, how an office works in Israel, in particular, because it is so different from how things work overseas. People coming from the US or from the UK and other countries uh, sometimes are a little bit confused by how things are done here. So, what I wanted to do as we are um, still in our opening episodes of this podcast, helping people understand the market and the, the, the way that business is conducted here in real estate and understanding the players, I want you to enlighten us and help us understand better the whole concept of working with agents. Until 1996, uh, anyone could be an agent. You woke up in the morning, you decided you're a real estate agent, you put up a sign and you're a real estate agent. In 1996, they passed a law that said that you need to be licensed to be a real estate agent. And every year they make uh, the test for the license harder. It, sadly, it's still not very hard to be an agent, but every year it gets harder and harder. Uh, they were actually talking a few years ago about once again letting people to be agents with no license. 
we worked hard so that it won't happen. And we told the government that they should make it even harder to be a real estate agent. People are coming to us with uh, one of the biggest deals in their life and they need professional help. And we need to have the agents uh, more professional every year, more and more. You have to make sure when you're, when you're working with an agent that is licensed and that he has experience and that he knows what he's doing because it's very easy to be a, an agent, not very easy to, to close a successful deal where everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. Zev, tell us about uh, a little bit about your office. How many agents do you have and how does the office work? So I started working as an agent in, in a big international office in the end of uh, 2000, 24 years ago. Very fast, I understood that I want to be more than an agent and I bought uh, a franchise of Remax, one of the biggest Yes, everyone in the world knows who they are. But in 2006, I decided I want to be my own name. And I opened my own office under my last name, Schumacher Nadlan. And today I own, uh, I own it for the, for the last uh, 17 years. We have uh, seven agents in our office. Out of those seven, we have two who do deal with only uh, commercial real estate. And we have another one, which is not in the seven, who does new construction, working with builders. It's a very, very different world to work with a builder than to work with uh, secondhand pre-owned uh, houses. The logistics, the, the things you need to know are very different. So we have the two different things. We've done things that we were the first to do in Modine, uh, buyers groups, where we got people together. We bought land as a group. And then as a group, we found someone who will build it for us. As we, we chose a builder, not an not a entrepreneur. And this way, we, we managed to build cheap. And we bought the apartments for the costs, what it costs the land and building with no one making money off of us. We've done this very successfully in Modi'in, close to a thousand units. But sadly, right now, that's not possible anymore. Because of the way the government is trying to help young couples and people who have never owned they have, when they put out the land to build, parts of the units are only for people who haven't owned before. And once there's apartments like that, you can't have groups. So we're back to working with the entrepreneurs, the builders, and pre-owned. Um, I think the biggest difference uh, before you were with the real estate is the way you pay. In the States, a lot of people who come to me can understand it's not, it's not 10% in the, in the signing and 90% in the closing. You pay about 10, 15% in the signing, and after two months, you pay some more and some more. And it, it goes through the whole time until the house is ready. I think that's the first thing that people have to understand. It's a different world, especially if you're trying to sell and you're trying to buy. You have to have it the same thing with your seller and with your buyer. There's a lot of negotiating that's not just the price. You're negotiating about the price. You're negotiating about the move-in date. And you're negotiating about the payment terms. It's something that they don't have. Thank you, Zev. Now, I think the most important topic that we have to discuss that everybody who's coming from abroad should know and wants to know is the issue of commission. Who pays the agent's commission? How much is the commission in Israel? And at what point does commission have to be paid? These are issues that are super important to understand and be aware of before you do business in Israel, because it's quite different from how things are done in countries overseas. I know that in the US, the responsibility of paying the agent's commission is entirely on the seller. The seller pays, I believe it's five to six percent. And then the seller's agent might share some of it with the buyer's agent. Similarly, in the UK, the responsibility is on the seller and the average is around one and a quarter percent plus VAT. 
Sometimes it can be up to two or even three percent, but the average is around one and a quarter percent. And in Australia, it's also on the seller to pay around two to three percent. So, Zeb, why don't you tell us how things work in Israel? Working with an agent, you will have your agent as your buyer agent and your seller's agent. Each agent uh, will uh, take his fee from his client. It's not just takes a fee and he pays the other agent with it. When the laws of real estate license, they also put numbers and how much um, they think you should charge. And accepted is 2% from the buyer, 2% from the seller. Everyone pays his own, his own agent. Plus VAT. Plus VAT. And in Israel, as in Israel, everything is negotiable. I would recommend not to negotiate too much. You want your agent working for you, not against you. If you negotiate your agent down, it just means that you're better at negotiating than your agent. I'm not sure that's, that's someone who you want representing you. You want to be represented by someone who knows how to negotiate. Make sure your agent's happy, pay him what he asks, and make sure he gets you the good deal. If it's not a good deal, you don't close, you don't pay. What is the role of the agent in Israel? From a buyer's perspective and a seller's perspective? We'll start with the buyer's perspective. The, the agent has to understand, first thing is, what you're looking for. If you're coming for a trip, on a pilot trip, you want to see what you, you don't have a lot of time, you got to make sure the agent understands what you're looking for, what's your budget, and what you're used to. If you're going to tell an agent you're looking for a four-room, he will show you a three-bedroom. The language is different. In Israel, the living room is a room. So you got to make sure you're talking about four rooms. Say I'm looking for four bedrooms as in five rooms. This is going to save you a lot of hassles and disappointment. And he has to understand what you're looking for, what's your budget, what neighborhood. If you want to be beside some sort of a shul or friends or a school, there's all these different things. You got, the agent has to understand what you're looking for, and then he has to start finding. He can find you what's on the market, and a good agent will find you things that are not on the market, that mm-hmm. are going to be in the market, people who are thinking of selling. Someone who's been working for a long time and knows his neighborhood, he will know what's happening. Can somebody work with multiple agents, or they have to stick with the same person? You can work with multiple agents, but that's probably not the good thing to do. If you work with multiple agents... You're not going to have the agent working for you. You want someone working for you. Someone has to understand that you have a, a relationship which works both sides. If you want him to work for you, you got to work for him and you got to know that you trust him. Mm-hmm. So what happens if somebody sees a property that's being marketed by somebody else? Do they have to work with that agent? Most properties in Modi'in at least are working with agents exclusive. If you see an apartment you're interested you can ask your agent to show it to you. The agents in Modi'in work together. I can show you a different agent's apartment and a different agent can show you my apartment. Same all over the country, more or less. There are areas which works better and worse. It depends on the, on the agents. Uh, a good agent will understand that he needs to work for you and find you a deal. Not, not sell you what he has, but sell you what you need. Exactly. We call this Shituf Pula, right? right. Which uh, loosely translated is cooperation. cooperation, working together. So there is a seller's agent representing the seller. There is a buyer's agent representing you, the buyer, and they work together to bring the deal. And each side pays his own Each his side own pays commission. his own commission and each side has his agent working for him. Okay. So somebody comes to Israel, they're looking for a home. Why do they need an agent? Why can't they do this on their own? Well, there are a lot of uh, houses that are not on the market privately. You won't be able to find them. You won't be able to get them. And even if you do find, sometimes just uh, it's not the language. It's the understanding of the way it works. You will be finding a hard time to negotiate 
because you're talking different different words. Different language. D- different mentality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can find people who speak English, not a problem. <clears throat> it's a different mentality. You will say the same thing, but you will understand one thing and he'll understand a different thing. Because what's used to there is not what's happening here. There'll be a lot of uh, frustration and a lot of deals who uh, you thought are closed and then suddenly they're not closed because everyone understood differently. It's not because someone was trying to do something not right. It was just a wrong understanding. Mm-hmm. You need someone also afterwards to recommend you're the right lawyer. Not every lawyer will know how to deal with people out of the country. Not every lawyer or agent will know how to help you bring the money in the country. Right. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're, you're buying shekels and you're selling dollars. You need someone who knows how to help you bring your money in the country. There's a lot of things that a good agent can help you save money. It usually comes out that the agent is definitely worth what you're paying him. Right. After 24 years, I can tell you that almost everybody pays with a smile. No one can have 100%, but most of our clients are happy. They recommend us. We have people who come again, people who bought our house from us, and then they sold it, and then they bought. Tell me something, Zev. Do your agents work for you? Are, are they your employees, or how, how does the business structure work? Every agent is his own business. No one is employed. Everyone has his own business, and they work under our brand. They use what everything I can help them to you. I, I can help them. But every agent in the end of the day is his own small business. But if he's working in a good office, the office will have the rules in order to maintain the good name of the office. Right. So if they're independently working, why do they need to be part of an office? As you can, you will see, not everyone is part of an office. Every morning uh, when I wake up as an office manager, I need to make sure that I'm giving my agents enough reasons to stay. I take a big percentage of the deal, I need to make sure. If I give them uh, office space to sit and all they need for publicity, different websites and different uh, newspapers, helping them with uh, closing the deals, helping them with their connections mm-hmm. with uh, the bank. If uh, their client has a problem, I'm usually there to help them solve it. And yeah, that's my job as an office manager is right. to make sure that I'm giving enough for the agent to stay in my office. You're the backbone. And mentoring them. Going back to the commission, at what point um, is there a commitment to work with this agent and pay a commission? And how how does this work? When you meet the agent for the first time, he will have you sign a piece of paper. Today it's even a digital. On the commission that you will pay him once you purchase the house. As long as you haven't signed a contract for buying the house or selling the house, you don't pay anything. You could drive an agent crazy. You can he can be showing you for three, four months all these apartments, and in the end, you don't decide not to buy. You don't pay. Mm-hmm. You only pay on signing a deal. When selling a house, usually you will pay the agent about a week after selling, because only then you actually get the money. So when you buy, you pay the commission as soon as you've signed the agreement, even if you don't get the keys. Yeah. Right? So you, you get sign a, you, you, Once the agent's job is done, that's with the signing, not with the move-in. When the once signing, there's a legal agreement between buyer and seller, exactly. then the commission is due. And with the seller, it's due about... A, a, about a week afterwards, because uh, usually mm-hmm. the, and the, the seller will not get the money right away. You don't expect them to... When the put, seller receives payment from the buyer, then the commission is due. One, exactly. Once he gets the first payment, he pays his commission. If for some reason the deal doesn't end, you still pay their commission. I mean, if, you the pay, deal, if the deal falls, falls, falls through, through after, after, signing, signing. after signing, for any reason, uh, something doesn't go through, you, you're, you're, you still pay the commission. If you, you paid it already, you won't get it back. The job of the agent is to have uh, the deal signed. 
not to have the deal go through to the end. Well, we we hope that the deal will always go through. Uh, uh, but I, I, I don't know of too many stories which you sign and right. they don't go through. And tell me, the, the commission is based upon the final purchase price, correct? Yes, it's not the showing price. It's the, the final price which is in the contract. You do 2% plus uh, VAT, which is now 17%. So let's say the house is sold, including furniture and appliances, for example. There's a package. It's based on the all-inclusive final price. Yes, it's an inclusive price. Usually the agent will help you also negotiate all the furniture and the package right. and everything. Okay. So going back to signing a commission agreement, if somebody's in Israel and they meet the agent and they go and see half a dozen homes, they sign the agreement. A lot of people are working with agents from abroad. And before they actually come, they are already talking about specific properties. The agents are showing them listings. They're showing them pictures, videos, etc. At what point do they have to sign an agreement? The best for the agent is to have them signed as soon as possible. But here comes the thing about trust. If you trust your client, you'll send him stuff. And when he comes to see it, you'll sign him. But as an agent, I'd rather have you sign before I send you anything. And then I know I'm protected. Right. Okay. But if you don't trust your client, you don't, don't, don't start working with him. That's true. Although it takes time to build trust and, and build a relationship. Not always so easy to know. So what happens from, from a buyer's perspective? You know, the agent is working with them remotely. They've asked them very politely to sign a commission agreement. They've uh, sent them some pictures, some videos. And then a very close friend comes along and says, I recommend you work with my brother, who's an agent. He's got a bunch of properties. And uh, it turns out that some of them are the listings that they've already signed on. What happens in that case? Uh, in order for the agent to be worthy, for his commission, not enough to sign. Mm. He has to sign you, show you the house, and he has to be a part of closing the deal. He can show you a house and disappear. You won't be worthy of his commission. So if somebody signs with an agent and then they decide they want to work with somebody else, they choose not to work with their agent. They've decided that there's somebody else they prefer to work with. And they walk away and say, I'm sorry, you didn't do anything but make me sign. It depends when and depends. It depends on the background story. I see. If I've shown you a house, and then you come up, I want to buy this house, but with my my neighbor who's also an agent, it's not going to work like that. Mm -hmm. But if I send you some listings, I never met you. I haven't done anything. Disappeared off the radar. Yeah, and you disappear. And I mm -hmm. find that after a few months, you bought the house from someone else. An agent might try to sue you or something, but it's more than that. He has to prove that you went behind his back. And you went to a different agent because of a lower commission or there's, there's a reason why you did this and that you weren't honest in the beginning. The whole thing was a trying to be like a scam. But mm -hmm. Okay, so it's a bit of a gray area. But the, the idea is, is that before anybody signs, you should feel confident that this is the person you want to work with. There should be a relationship. You shouldn't be forced to sign anything if you're not comfortable. And once you sign, there's somewhat of a commitment to work with that person. There you know, is a commitment, but once again, it's not enough to sign. The agent has to work for you. Right. If you have an agent who's not working for you, don't pay him. Right. You got to make sure you got the good agent who's doing it, who's, who's working. But at the same time, don't sign something until you feel confident that this is the person that you want exactly. to work, around, work with. And as I've said, you can work with as many agents as you like, but it's generally recommended to work with one agent who's representing you, who's working for you, who can show you all of the listings, even if they're not representing the seller, they'll work as we said, in cooperation with other agents. 
Working with a few agents, you might find yourself in a problem when three agents will send you the same house. And then what will you do? Because everyone's working Bishitu Fula. Exactly. And then you'll find yourself in a in a pickle. So it's it's better to take one. Make sure he works with all the agents in the in that area. I would even recommend interview a few agents. If you've, if you've been given a few recommendations, speak to them and and get to know them and decide which one you feel most comfortable with. And then make the commitment. And again, it's not a commitment necessarily. Interview them. Ask friends of yours what they recommend. Drive around the neighborhood. See see what signs you see. Find make sure right. you're finding the right person. And once you find them, stick with them. Absolutely. Okay. So we're really talking until now. We've been speaking about buying uh, what we call in Israel a secondhand home or a pre-owned home. What happens with new projects? Do people work with agents? Do they have oh. to work with agents? I would say Israelis, local people usually will not work with an agent buying from a builder. What do they need it for? They... They, exactly. They, 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 they would think that they're going to be saving their commission. And then they will go right away to the, the builders. The builders all have offices, sales representatives in their place. And they think they'll be saving money. Usually a good agent will have a good relationship, not just with the builder, but the salesman from the builder. And he will know exactly what we can get with the price. You have to remember the sales representative for the builder is working for the builder. He's not working for you. You're negotiating. The person sitting in, right, the, 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 the the person sitting in front of you works for the builder and he gets paid by the builder. He's going to try to get the <clears throat> best deal possible. For the builder. For the builder. If he sees that he can't, he'll give you the best deal he can. But first things first, he will try to look out for the builder, the guy who's paying him. If you take an agent, the agent will, of course, be working for you. He doesn't get paid from the builder. And you have someone who's representing you. And the deal. Now, there's a lot of things that you will not know to ask. That experience will let you know. If you buy something on the paper, you got to start looking at the building beside or the project beside, because the mm-hmm. builder can be one building. You got to see what's the what, what's going to be there in ten years and fifteen years. What are the plans? If you have have a beautiful view, but it's going to be changing very soon, there's a lot of things you need to know. Once you buy from a builder which is already built. It's easier because you know what you're getting. It's not necessarily the case that every agent knows these projects. You know, no. just to pay someone 2% to take you in their car and, you know, talk to you uh, in English is not going to earn their fee. You need somebody... You need someone who who, who, who has experience with... and has done that. Ask them how many, how many units have you sold with this builder? Because each builder is a different story. Correct. Negotiating with the builder, you're negotiating the price... You're also negotiating what you get with the house, the, the sizes of the floor, how many outlets. There's a lot of little things that are part of the negotiating. You got to make sure that your agent knows them and knows how to negotiate that too. The big thing today, when you buy a house from the builder, the money is it's smooth madad. It's linked to the... Uh, the, the index in, to of inf- building. To index or to, okay. to inflation. To, the building the cost. Building, the building cost, which in the last year have gone up 5 6%. Now, if you don't know to do it, you, you think you're buying a house for 2 million shekel, and you, when you move in, it's going to cost you another 6%. That's a lot of money. It's another 120,000 shekel. You got to see if you can negotiate it, have the deal not. They passed a law about a year ago that only 60% of the price of the house goes according to the, to the index. Not everything. Got to make sure who you're dealing with knows these things and save you a lot, a lot of money. So somebody who is visiting Israel looking to buy... Something from a builder. They're walking through the streets of Yerushalayim or they're in Modiin, Natanya, doesn't matter where, and they see a beautiful new project. Are you saying they shouldn't walk into the sales office and negotiate or should they work with an agent? I think they should go first thing, walk in, Mm -hmm. see if it's interesting for them. 
if they think it's interesting, then they should ask around which agent they think can help them get a better price. And it's not just about price, as you said. There's so yeah, much more to the price. You don't need the agent to walk with you hand by hand and show you the different uh, things. If you're planning ahead and coming and you want to use your time the best as possible, so you can speak to the agent, tell I'm looking at this area. I want something from a builder, but I want something which will be built in two years, not something which will be built in six months because with a builder, you, you have to the payment schedules too. So you don't pay all in six months. You need to sell your house. You speak with the agent what you're looking for. And then when you come, he'll make sure to give you the different options. He can send you ahead all the layouts and speak to you ahead. Then when you come, it will be a better use of your time. But if you're walking on the street and you see something, well, I would walk in. Right. And if you work with an agent on a project that's going to be ready in, let's say, two to three years, when do you pay the agent their commission? Once again, and the signing. The signing. Doesn't the matter when you the, take the possession. The agent's job is to have you sign the contract. You can take position in two months or in 10 years. When we do the building groups, it takes sometimes seven years until actually you move in. You pay in the signing. Then the job is done for the agent. Okay. And as you said, the agents are generally working for the buyer and the salespeople in the office are, are working for the seller. Is there ever a time that there is an overlap where the buyer's agent is also working for the seller? We represent builders. When we do represent builders... You as in your office. As in my office, we have, we have uh, builders who we represent mm -hmm. and we're their salesmen. When we represent them, we will not take from the buyer a commission. There's no conflict of interest that exactly. way. Exactly. We, we won't take a commission. We, we will do the best deal we can uh, for the builder. But we understand that in order for you to sign, it has to be the best deal for you too. But we won't take a commission from the builder and from uh, the seller because we're representing the, the, the builder. At the yes. end of the day, we are we, we are representing the builder. Excellent. Okay. I think this has been a really, really uh, interesting, eye-opening, and important discussion. And before we close, Zev, I'd like to ask you, well, we know already where you live, but I'd like to ask you, what is it about the place you live that you like the most? Well, I live uh, pretty much in the center of uh, Modi'in. About 15 years ago, I came to me a great friend who told me he wants to build the first buyer purchase group in Modi'in, and he asked me to help him sell it. He showed me the layouts, and I said, okay, we have 60 units, now it's 59. Just one second, what, what do you mean by a purchase group? Just explain briefly we, what that is. We got a group together, we bought the land, everyone in the group owned the land, and then we chose someone to build the houses for us. Mm -hmm. And we got the houses and the, and the real cost of building. Fantastic. Not, yeah. So he, he asked me to help him sell it. I said, okay, this is my house. And now let's talk about the rest. <laughs> Very clever. So I got to choose uh, the best. And my location is in the center of the city. And what a city it is. <laughs> exactly. When I got married and I was looking, where do I want to live? My father recommended us to look at Modi'in. Nobody knew what Modi'in was. He said, if you want to work in Jerusalem, you want to work in Tel Aviv, Kiryat Gat, Modi'in is the center of the country. Where, where were you coming from? And my parents were from uh, Malay Adumim. Jerusalem was the, the area where we used to walk around. No, that, that was our city. I'm very thankful for my father 25 years ago for giving me that idea. And Modi'in is in the center. Modi'in is very different now than what it was then. Oh. But we have the train. I think it's a huge difference. Unbelievable, right? Any, anywhere you want, you're, you're halfway there. You got to go to Tel Aviv, you got to go to Jerusalem, you got to go to Kiryat Gat, everything is a toy. I was in Jerusalem the other day, I took a train, it took me 22 minutes to get to Yerushalayim, jump on the light rail, you're in the city center, anywhere you want to go, and I realized it's quicker to get to Yerushalayim from Odin than it is to get 
to certain places in Yerushalayim from Yerushalayim. Oh, same thing in Tel Aviv. Uh, people told me it's easier to get to, to Tel Aviv from Modena than from Givatayim. Right. It's farther, but faster. Exactly. And it's a beautiful and comfortable ride. So what's the what's your favorite thing about living in Modin besides your house? Um, I think the top points of Modin, first thing is the location of the city. But I think for children, Modin is a great city for children. I agree. You have so many different kind of schools. If your kids are not happy in one school, you can move them to a different school. There's so many different options. And the kids will easily find friends. We're so uh, so diverse that you, you'll always find someone. You'll always find... I just had a family who moved from a, a small uh, yeshuv. They lived in Modi'in and they wanted a bigger house. They moved to yeshuv and they moved back because the kids, really? said, their kids couldn't find their friends. Wow. So they, they, they moved back from a beautiful, huge house to a smaller house. But they, their kids wanted to move back. They wanted their friends. They wanted their schools. Amazing. They wanted the ability to wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'll take a bus to Tel Aviv. And you have a bus in 15 minutes. Not There's another bus in three hours will take you and... You got to wait two hours to come back. It's amazing. It's a great position. I have uh, teenage kids and, and some that are in their 20s already. And I've lost count how many times they've said, Mommy, Abba, thank you for raising us in Modi'in. They thanked us. It's, it's such an amazing city. Final question, Zev. If you were to move to a different area in the country, where would you go and why? I wouldn't, but my wife would probably want to move up north for the views, for the air. Maybe when I'm old. Right now, I, can, I, I became a city person. I need the city. You're still so young. I have a few more years until then. Please, God. Um, I have no plans on leaving the city. Amazing. But if you ask my wife, she would, she, she would love to go up north to the Golan. Beautiful. Please, uh, God, she will. For, for, One day. Yeah, a summer exactly. house. We should all be able to travel there very soon. Zev, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Thank and, you for having uh, me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to On the House. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and share it with your family and friends. You can also visit buyitinisrael.com where you can find news, market updates, guidance, and much more on real estate in Israel. That's buyitinisrael, B-U-Y-I-T, in Israel.com. If you have a question or a specific topic you'd like us to cover on this podcast, please email us at the address you'll find at the bottom of the show notes. Whether you're thinking about Aliyah, looking for a home or a haven, or wanting to support the Israeli economy, now is the time to buy it in Israel.